Welcome back to the Simply Safe podcast, where we give you an insight into safe electronics. My name is Lynn, and today I am joined by my co-host Peter, Christian Moschner, and Benedikt Pulver from the TUV Süd. Today's topic will be certification in the sense of internationalization. So stay tuned and let's get started. Hi, everybody. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. But before we dive into our topic, maybe we can start with a little introduction round first so that our listeners know who we are having as our guests today. Thank you, Lynn, for your welcome. My name is Peter Brinkmann. I'm the name-giving person of Brinkmann Electronic, and I'm happy to have this show today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Christian Moschner. Uh, we are extremely happy that we are invited for this podcast. I'm the head of sales for industry and energy products at TÜV Süd Product Service GmbH and responsible for the European and German market, and we are happy to support for this podcast. My name is Benedikt Pulver. I'm also really, really happy and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm now working seven years for TÜV Süd as safety expert in the area of functional safety, electrical safety and mechanical safety. I've studied electrical engineering in Munich and at the moment I also am a technical certifier in uh, TÜV Süd for all the different uh, scopes and schemes like uh, CB scheme, NRTL scheme or our TÜV Mark scheme. It's really a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to the podcast now. Thank you so much. So maybe we can start off with explaining what exactly the role of the TUV or TÜVSÜD is, because I think that this is a very broad matter and maybe our listeners will not exactly know what the TUV or TÜVSÜD is actually doing. That's a difficult question to summarize because we have lots of different GmbH, GmbHs, which have different roles or offer different services. And within the different GmbHs, there are also different areas which also offer different kind of services. The role in the world as to suit is, is pretty broad. In our case, we are offering a safety certification, approval, testing or um, guidance for customers, especially in the industrial area and industrial field, which helps them to get uh, the requirements done for European market or for other areas in the world where you almost um, always need some kind of independent approval from an accredited lab because otherwise you will get problems with the authorities in the each and uh, different area. So I would say this is in, in most cases our primary role in the area where I'm or Mr. Moshen and I am working. But like I said, it's it's difficult to summarize this because we have so much different fields where we are acting as the whole TÜV Süd AG, like management service, automotive service, industrial service. And to summarize this all, that would take the whole podcast by itself. Normally, we can say we come from the car safety testing. So the car safety testing is actually this where the TÜV Süd is known for. But in many cases, the customers are not aware of what the TÜV Süd could be or what TÜV itself, not TÜV Süd only, but TÜV could be. And um, we are responsible not only for cars, we are responsible for any type of safety and testing service that could be offered on a local and global market. Exactly. So one one addition, so the TÜV was founded uh, some around 1860, but it happened that there was a, a steam engine and exploded 
And afterwards, so there was then a group who said we need to found the party or a organization which primarily has its core to see that the, the products in the industrial or which are sold to the people around the world or in, the, in Germany in the first case are safe and secure for the basic requirements for health and um, environmental requirements. And so this is more or less the, the, the main reason why the TÜV was founded. And then it developed pretty broad, like I said, in different areas in the automotive, which Mr. Moschner just explained, in management services and EMC services um, and so on. Thank you so much for the introduction. I think that we should just jump right into our topic, which is certification in the sense of internationalization. I would like to give this to, to my co-host, Peter. Now, when we talk to our customers, most of them are developing devices which they want to sell on the European or worldwide market. For example, electronic devices which are used in industrial areas, in industrial applications. Everybody knows today, in, in Europe at least, the typical CE mark. And it's a goal of every of our customer to have this CE mark on their products. This CE label is crucial for being on the European market. Now, nearly every of our customers has some difficulties in clarifying what exactly is this CE mark? What does it stand for? What do I have to do to get this CE mark on my product? What are the liabilities, my liabilities, and who can help me with achieving all the approvals for the CE mark. And nearly everybody comes to the point where he says, well, we need the TUV. Maybe we can clarify a little bit about this CE mark and the necessity of the CE mark and how the process of applying the CE mark to products is done by our customers and how the TUV can help. So the CE mark for itself has an important meaning and it was important that it is established in, in the European market. It means that when you want to sell or provide a product in the European market, doesn't now matter what product this is, then you have to conform with the European health, safety and environmental protection so that the product does not harm just that uh, people or the environment around. In, in the first instance, the requirements from CE are made by the European Union. So there are different kind of directives like the machinery directive, low voltage directive, EMC directive, um, toys directive. And this in the first case already makes it difficult because in some cases it's not that clear under which directives each product does uh, fall or has to comply with. And also, some directives erase each other. You cannot use both. You only have to use one of them because in one is written, for example, either you fulfill machine directive or a voltage directive. So this also makes it a little bit more difficult. And the, the mandatory why then you have to fulfill or have to conform with the directives is in the uh, individual laws of the countries. For example, in Germany, we have the product safety law. Produktesicherheitsgesetz, which is uh, released by the ZLS, the Zentrale Länderstelle für Sicherheit. Each body or each nation has some kind of authority which makes laws or writes these laws. And within these laws, there are then different kind of directives in the European Union, which this says 
you have to fulfill. And to show that you are complying with these directives, you have to make a CE mark on your product. This more or less shows the customer or the people in the, in the European market, yes, my product complies with the requirements from the laws, directives, and so on. And to prove that or that you really comply with them, you can use certain kind of, of harmonized standards. This is where the, the, the TOE we came in, in play because you need reports. This is also written in the directives that it's not just, yeah, I, I write a CE on the product and then it's done. You really have to have reports with results from measurements, from safety analysis, from fault conditions, which tell, yes, this product complies with a certain harmonious standards, which is listed under certain directive, which is regulated by a certain kind of law in the individual country. And therefore, you can say, my product is compliance with the safety and health requirements, and then you can uh, make a CE mark on it. Okay, thank you very much. Because there are the laws are country-specific. Are there differences between, for example, France and Germany? I'm honest, I don't know each law completely, but in most cases they are pretty similar because the main law we are working with is the, the product safety law, which is called like this in Germany. And it more or less says that when you want to sell a product on the market, you have to um, make sure that it is safe and does not harm people around it. And more or less all the, the laws, the safety laws, in one way or another make this statement and what they do then is they take the directives which are written by the european union and put them in and more or less say yes you also have to fulfill the directive because when you have to fulfill the directive you have to fulfill certain requirements or certain harmonized standards and with this they more or less make sure that your product is safe thank you now this does not only apply to producer who develops and produces a product here, for example, in Germany, uh, that also applies for a vendor of a product who comes from Asia, right? And yeah. who wants to sell this product within the European Union. Yeah, the wording is important there because it does not has to be selling. Let's make an example. If I would build something by myself, then I would not have to comply with the requirements because it's just for me. But if I build something and give it to Christian as a um, present, could, he, could be which helps him in the garden, I don't know, then I technically would have to fulfill CE marking, even if I don't get any money from this. That's not the point. If you want to really provide a product on the European market and it is affected by a law, which knows certain kind of directives which have to be fulfilled and this certain kind of directives has the ce marking principle written in it then yes even the, the external customers have to fulfill these requirements and mark their product with the ce from from my perspective i can add something the keyword what benedict was missing was distribution so oh. the distributor is is responsible for the ce declaration so every distributor, it could be someone from Asia, North America, from Africa, globally. Everyone who brings the product in the market and is the distributor by law is required to fulfill the requirements and to apply the CE marking on their product. And this is essential. Yeah, you can use a legal authority in the, in the European market for this, but technically he's right when you're providing or distributing a product on the market, in most cases, it is the manufacturer. This is the person or the, the authority or the, 
the company which is written on the nameplate as contact. This is more or less the same or should be the same, which has to provide or the evidence that it's complying with the CE marking requirements. But yes, it, like he said, it's more or less also if you only distribute it, it does not mean automatically that you get money from it. Thank you. So this is a big task for everybody who wants to sell products on the European market. Yes, it's and a big responsibility, of course. Um, and if I can add one information there, the biggest obstacle for, for many customers is the documentation which is necessary to prove that you are complying with the CE marking requirements or the, the general health and safety requirements. Because often, if you look at the product, in most cases, the product is okay. There, there can always be some things which can be improved. But in most cases, the product itself would technically fulfill the, the safety and health requirements in one way or in another. This is just our experience. Where, where it's really difficult is when the, the customer has to provide the documentation, the test reports, that the testing is done right, that they are written down in the correct way. Um, in a way that other persons can read this, even if they don't know what the product more or less does. And that is not that easy. This is more or less what our whole business works with, so that we provide these kind of evidences for the customer that, yes, their product complies with these requirements. Okay, thank you very much. That's, of course, one point where also Brinkmann Electronic comes into the game as we help our customers to do the right steps to achieve this CE mark and to finally be able to go to TUV and get the acceptance. How do we support them? Can you mention the exact steps, what we will be doing for them or how do we assist them? We try to start as early as possible in a production development process. Even in defining products, it is necessary to define the necessary standards that have to be fulfilled. It's necessary to get a clear picture what are the directives, what are the standards that have to be met by this product. And then when you have this clear, you can make a smooth development. And then it's important, as you said already, to get the correct documentation. And there we can help a lot because we have done all this documentation lots of times and we have our experts who can help there. So starting from consultancy, what has to be done and helping during that development phase also with hardware development, software development, but also documentation and testing, of course, that is what we can offer. We are not an accredited laboratory, but we know those labs and we can help our customers to find a good lab or we could go to this lab and bring their product through these tests. And finally, collaborate with TUV, for example, to achieve a certificate and then the customer can mark his product with a CE label. So one, one important addition, what you just mentioned was the, the wording consulting. This is something that the TÜV Süd cannot provide. I think Christian Moschner can explain this in, in more detail. But in, in short, we are a testing facility. We have to stay independent. So if we more or less develop the product and say exactly what you have to build in or use components, then we aren't independent anymore. And that is important that we show the authorities that we are independent. So in our service, we can do the testing and tell you if you are complying or not complying. 
and give you some um, right steps in the right direction. But the, the big advantages you have is really that you can provide a deep consulting support for the customers from, from you. We cannot do this. It's also the same thing we just realized when we talked to our customers. In many cases, we received the question, uh, how can you support us? Can you give us a deep knowledge about testing and the standard itself? And then we come directly on the way of consultancy. And as Benedict mentioned, it's not allowed from our perspective. So your big advantage is that you can step in, rely on your competency and tell the customers what is required, what should he do, uh, what tests are maybe required in the future. And also... Beside of the of the consultancy itself, when we come for the testing, like we do uh, witness testing at the customer location, and you support us with the customer for the testing itself, it's extremely beneficial as it reduces time, money, and stress. And this is a key point for you. It's a key point for us and helps everyone, actually. So this is exactly the point why we really like to work together with the TUV we cannot give any certificates we are not accredited but we can consult and help our customers and so it's beneficial for our customers to use tuv and bell <laughs> when we think about established companies and startups do you see any difference between these two or is it the same difficulties that they have to face by the end Mm, the difficulties more or less are the same, yes. But the big difference is, um, I think, or more or less this is our experience, I think Mr. Moschner can confirm this, is that startups have not so much experience than the bigger or customers who already have done some kind of CE marking or approval or certification or safety testing. Startup, you have to imagine, makes this for the first time in most cases. And then when you enter this area, and, or this, this topic, safety, approval, CE marking, testing for the first time together with your new idea from your new product, which you want to sell. It's a pretty big challenge, yes. And most startups, when they start their startup, this is our experience, don't see or don't uh, know what mountain they have to climb <laughs> at the first uh, when they want to sell the product or provide also the information that it's a safe product. Does it mean that the questions which are going more likely into consultancy are more coming from startups then, or it doesn't make any difference between established companies and um, startups? I think we have to talk about three different streams. The first one, from my perspective, is that the established companies have the big knowledge, have persons who are responsible for the C-marking and can just work on their daily business with some support from the outside, like consultants, like suit and so on. The second stream is that you have established companies where the responsible persons are coming to an age where they go into the retirement. So in German, it's Verrentung. It's a big issue for us that the experienced personnel will leave the company in the next years. So we see a strong trend in this direction, but they don't share their experience because in many cases they are a little bit scared of when I share my experience, maybe I lose my job because I'm not no longer needed in the company. So therefore, there is, there's a big gap coming in the industry itself with the unexperienced person jumping into the position of, of a CE responsible person with no knowledge, with no, with no experience, but he's responsible with his signature by law that if something happens, 
he is the one who gets into the jail afterwards. And the third stream are the startup companies. We, we see the issue that they come from the university, they come from business schools, they come from schools uh, with no experience about standards, about, about local requirements, about global requirements. And they have an idea. They have an idea for the future where they want to earn money with, like a product which is, which is new and innovative. But they have no approach how to move on and how to do it on the, in the right way. And therefore, they definitely need the help of, of different institutes like TÜV, like consultants, like, yeah, support from all, from all sides. That's exactly our experience where we talk to young companies, what is very good, who are concentrating on their product, the, the benefit for their customers. But this CE marking and product safety is a big step behind that. And that also is one of the points where we as Brinkmann Electronic can really help those companies to bring their products to the market. Because this is really essential and nobody may bring their product on a European market without those standards. Mr. Pulver, you have mentioned the machinery directive together with the CE marking at the very beginning. Maybe we can go into a little bit more detail in this specific topic. So let's make the assumption that you are a customer or you're a manufacturer and you want to provide a machinery on the European market. Doesn't matter now what, what kind of machinery this is. But in Germany, more or less, you then have to comply with the product safety law because the product safety law says your product has to be safe. And the product safety law also says in the law that you have to comply with the machine directive. And the machine directive now says there are certain requirements that you have to fulfill. You need a risk assessment. You have to provide documentation. You have to provide explanation to this documentation and to the risk assessment so that other authorities or independent parties know what you meant. And you also need test reports. And when all these two are fulfilled, for example, the test reports with the harmonized standards, you can then safely make the CE marking on your product and make the conformity declaration. And the, the creation of this risk assessment that is done right because there can be made many mistakes or the, the creation of the test reports, like I said before, is not that easy because there are also requirements which uh, has to be fulfilled and has to be considered. These now are parts where you as Brinkmann Electronic or um, we as TÜV Süd come into place and can uh, support or provide guidance uh, to, the, to the manufacturers and customers. But the reason why they have to do this is, like I said, the law, which now makes the, the, the directives mandatory and the directives say you have to show this through the CE marking. In almost every case, there are more directives which have to be fulfilled because let's say machinery is most likely powered through a electrical power supply or through current and voltage. And in this case, you would also have to comply with this EMC directive. And let's assume that the, the machinery um, has some kind of VLAN or Bluetooth connection to other systems. Then you also would have to comply with the RED, the RED directive. And when you now say you want to provide this, this is now a different topic, but in 
let's assume you want to sell it in the American market. They are a little bit different, but also the same. So they have now the FCC, which more or less would cover the EMC part and the RED part in Europe, and the FDO share, which more or less would comply with the safety requirements of the product safety law. So even if they are written in a different way, almost every country has implemented in some way or the another the same essential health and safety requirements which have to be fulfilled. Let's talk a little bit about this risk assessment, which is quite interesting, I think, for everybody. Now, what is a risk assessment? Can you do this risk assessment together with a customer? Uh, yes Please. and no. So it's important that, that to notice or to mention that we as TÜVSÜD cannot write the risk assessment for the customer. This is not allowed and it also makes no sense, I'm honest. The main reason or the, the, the big difference between the risk assessment and the, the safety or harmonized standards is that the risk assessment should cover the whole life cycle of, an, of machinery. You also need a risk assessment technically for low voltage directive and also for the RED directive. So it's not just something that the machine directive knows, it's a basic safety tool for all equipments which are sold on the European market. This is important for me to mention. But the big difference is, if you compare it to a standard, the, the standard in most cases covers the final product before it is sold in the market and then knows something like the, the, the testing in the manufacturing, the manufacturing testing and so on, production testing. But afterwards, there aren't so much requirements written in these standards. The risk assessment should really cover the whole life cycle. The idea, the development part, the manufacturing part, the selling part, the usage, the repair, and then also if you decompose it or um, yeah, want to uh, put it to the waste and so on. And there are different kind of hazards which results in this different kind of life cycles and this different kind of usages from different kind of persons. And every part should be addressed and analyzed in this risk assessment. Each hazard should be associated with a certain kind of risk. And depending on the risk, the customer or the manufacturer knows if he has to do something or not. If the risk is low enough, he can say, okay, we can accept this. Or if the risk is uh, pretty high, then he needs to take some kind of measures so that in the final, the product is safe through the whole life cycle. And also, it's a document which is living. So it's not you do it one time and then it's done. You also should get feedback from the market, from your products which are sold and get the knowledge. Is there something happening? Do we have cases where it went wrong? Is somebody injured? Because with this information, you then reassess the, these different kind of hazards which affected and maybe take additional measures because you have to say, okay, the first risk assessment or, or hazard which we associated with a certain kind of risk was not 100% correct how it was then used in the market. And these information, which come back from the market, from your product, they don't come to us, to suit. they only come to you. So we cannot, from a logical part, make a risk assessment because suit is missing information which are essential for the risk assessment. What we can offer is, or what we are doing is, we can offer templates, we can offer guidance, and we can check the risk assessment if it complies with the idea of a risk assessment, if it's follow the, the, the steps, the, the way the standard wants you to, to, to make it. This is what we can check and, and offer guidance, but the risk assessment has to come from the customer itself. 
the risk assessment part itself is big part of our of our business. And when more or less a customer wants a workshop that we train them in doing risk assessments the right way, they take over one, two days. It's, it's difficult for me now to <laughs> give you all the information or, or everything which is associated with the, with the risk assessment. What what I see is most difficult for the customer, or it's pretty hard at the start, what they have to learn is when they take a measure to reduce a risk, which parameters affect the measures? Because a risk is with a probability, how often does the hazard occur, and the severity, how big is the injury on the person? And when you take a measure, in most cases, you always address in first case the probability, not so much the severity. And to get the customer to understand this, what these different affections on the different kind of parameters means, is not so easy at the start. And uh, this is something that they have to learn. And this is more difficult for startups, when we can back to this point, than for um, established customers who has done risk assessment several times and know they have to do this and look at the, 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 the individual parameters, how they are affected. Makes sense. Since startups, when they are doing it the very first time, then they might not think of specific steps. Um, as, an, as an example, um, for our customers itself, I normally have a sales training, which is a document, a PDF with right now 80 slides. And uh, in many cases, we come to the key questions for all manufacturers, mainly focused for North America because the uh, environment is similar. But these questions are mainly, who is the end user? Who is the customer? Are there any injuries? Are there any events happening with some casualties and so on? So every customer must be aware of what's happening with their products. And this is, this is key essential. And this sensibility must be raised for our customers. Unfortunately, we have reached the end of our time for today's podcast, but I am very happy to have you both here today, Christian and Benedict. It was a pleasure. It was, it was so, so many informations that were interesting and I think very important to know for customers who are interested in bringing a product into the market. Peter, you want to add anything? Yes, I want to add also my thanks for your time and your insights and the open words. I think this was really a pleasure having you here. And I hope our listeners will agree this was really interesting. Thank you very much. Um, I also say a big thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor for myself too. And I'm looking forward to more such kind of broadcasts because they, <laughs> I think they are really important and can help especially new customers and startups with this area or field of the CE marking. Also from my side, thank you very much. I will join Benedict with thanks. And I also guess that it's a good approach for also for us to make sure that we make our life and your life easier with, with more deeper informations. And to our listeners, if you would like to hear more about the Simply Safe podcast, then check out our website on www.bel.berlin and check out the other episodes. Until next time, stay tuned.